Welcome back to the Cult House Podcast. I'm your host, the scholar of spite and the Saturday Night Delight, Roger Riddell. Joining me today, he's a guitarist best known for his work with the bands Chrome Waves, Deeper Graves, Contrition, Doomsday, Wolfhammer, Abigail Williams, and Knockmistium. He is Jeff Wilson. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm good. How about yourself? Pretty good. That's a, a long list of bands. <laughs> I would also say that most of those are not well-known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I think the last time that I saw you was probably like a decade ago. Yeah, I was, the, uh, huh? I was thinking the same thing that is probably like 2011 or like 2012 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like, um, after that Yakuza Atlas Moth show at Sub T. Because uh, I was like hanging with you and Stavros and Alex and I think like Kim Kelly after that for yeah, uh, yeah. I remember nothing yeah. about that night. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, Chicago is kind of one of those places where you typically don't remember too much. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially like when there's like a giant group hanging out all at once. So, yeah, I mean, once uh, once you hit the exit, uh, it's also just like that's the blackout point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like most of my life when I live there, like, will have to be retold to me at some point, you know, because I can't remember most of it myself. <laughs> yeah, so uh, how have you been doing? Uh, I mean, not too bad. I mean, just trying to stay busy. I mean, you know, it's, you know, with how things are these days, you know, everything's kind of always up and down, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'll get really busy for like a month and then like, I'll have a couple weeks where I'm not. So, I mean, that's, the vacation is nice, but I always like staying busy as well. So, I mean, you know, it's a little it's hit or miss. So, but yeah, I mean, pretty positive overall. How about yourself? I've been doing pretty good. Uh, I'm actually uh, supposed to be moving back to Chicago around like May. Uh, like sometime around mid-May so uh, I'm trying to get all of that lined up right now because uh, I've had to push it back a few times just because of how everything is uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah we're kind of the same way we were supposed to move uh, to Pittsburgh in the fall and then like we were going to close on a house and like it just like all like kind of fell through like two days before so like it was so close to like uh, my lease date at the place we're at now that I just had to resign. So like we're actually right now like getting ready to start working at houses again. So I'm gonna move there and then uh, it would be nice to be like a little bit closer to the East Coast. I can make like a two day drive or something like that, stay overnight and come back. And then she's, my partner's gonna go back to school uh, in the fall. So, you know, uh, try out a different town, just keep wandering, I guess. <laughs> You know, we're gonna, go back, we're gonna go back to Chicago for a while too, but it's like I don't know, it's just different, and it's so expensive now, and it's like I can't afford to live in a condo, like because you know when we moved to Washington, 
from Chicago before. Like I had three rents and I just, I can't afford to have three rents again. Yeah. You know, like to, to live and then work and store all my gear. So it's like, it's, just, it's too much. And yeah. I like feel so much different now too. They're like, I wouldn't even feel a part of it at all. So. Yeah. I, um, I went back and forth about that part of things. Uh, Cause it's been maybe like, maybe like three years now since the last time I was in Chicago, but um, I'm like mostly just banking on uh, the fact that I still know a fair amount of people there. So uh, it's, it's better than, uh, than DC uh, in the long run. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I mean, I still talk to a fair amount of people there, but I, I and I go back, I mean, fairly often just to drop off like merch orders and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, I'll go when like, I'll go see Jerome at Cobra Lounge for like two hours or something like that. And then I'll just drive back. And because I'm like to the point to like, you know, I'm in my forties now and I can't really deal with Jerome handing me 12 shots of powers over and over again. And like waking up and just like being able to drive home. I would end up there for like three days instead of one. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, alongside all of the music projects that you, uh, that you do, you also have uh, Disorder Design Co. and Disorder Recordings. Uh, and it's like one of the things that I've always uh, kind of respected about you is that like level of hustle that you have with all of these different things. Um, so how do you kind of uh, uh, keep all of that balance with like everything else that you probably have to do uh, just to like get by as, as, a, as an artist? Um not very well to be honest uh i mean i i'm always like kind of a person that has too much on my plate at all times and i feel that i do a lot of apologizing when people like or be like hey i didn't get something and i'm like yeah i I know because i usually take at least like like i take like two weeks to get a cd in the mail just because there's always such an abundance of things going on and then as well as like stuff going on at home it's really hard to keep track a lot but I mean I try to do my best and if you know and when I do kind of fuck things up like I'm always like hey I you know I put some stickers and an extra album in there for you if you want to check it out or something like that Uh, as far as the screen printing thing I'm much better about that just because you know that's really what pays the bills around here um the label and like the mail order and stuff like that are just just things that I'm compelled to do just because if I have too much downtime I like and I get caught up in my own brain and then it doesn't necessarily reflect well upon like my partner or people around me just because I just my brain just doesn't work right I constantly have to be busier I feel like I'm not doing anything and I don't really let myself have any downtime which probably sucks but I don't know. It's just how I'm wired, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I feel like that's uh, kind of like a Midwest thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a West Coast thing. <laughs> uh, definitely more of a Midwest or an East Coast thing for sure. Uh, from living there for a few years, like. But I mean, you know, I just I guess I'm always always trying to move forward and always trying to do something different. Like, and I don't, you know, I. I've been doing this for a long time, but at the same time, I'm always trying to do new projects because I want to stay interested. And if I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again, 
I mean, minus chrome wipes, because we're doing a whole lot in the last couple of years or whatever. Like, other than that, like, I, I, you know, I just, I feel like I need to do something else all the time to kind of mix it up and keep it interesting, or I just get bored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I have like kind of the same thing where, uh, if I give myself too much downtime, uh, I kind of become like a moody asshole after a while, just because I'm oh, yeah, not occupied too. with anything and I think about too much. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, I found out as I've gotten older that if I at least get myself to the gym for 30 minutes every day, that it helps a little bit, but I've definitely been an asshole the past couple of weeks. Cause you know, like, you know, like we've had to reschedule this a couple of times because I had like a pretty big tour order and it, it's pretty much consume the last two weeks of my life so i need to get back on that tomorrow but i pretty much slept most of the day today and did a little bit of mail order and that was it just to kind of like reset myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh you're working on a, a new chrome waves album uh what can you say about that so far um we kind of had to do it backwards uh from what i would have liked to have done it um because of the lineup change i was kind of unexpected um so we pretty much have i would say 95 percent of the guitars done i still need to redo a couple things um but it's rough mixed and we're just waiting on the drummer to complete the drums on it so we pretty much have everything done except for the mix and the drums and that should be done uh from what I've been told, hopefully uh, mid-April, and then we'll do a mix and a master, and I already have a guy for art. So what we're aiming for right now is to have it done by the 1st of May, and then I'm thinking probably out in November, because I'm really trying to stick to this, putting out an album a year, regardless of pandemic and delays and all of this stuff. Um, so, I mean, things are looking good. I mean, I'm pretty much just waiting for the drums. So, and then it'll be easy from there. So, um, I actually had an offer for someone else to license it to someone in the last 48 hours. So we might go that route, might go just, you know, self-release again. It's just kind of depends on the details. So, uh, attorney's looking at the contract. So we'll probably know about that in the next week or so. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I've really liked how that band has kind of evolved uh since the first ep came out um where like as much as i like that first one uh that you did with stavros yeah uh, i really like kind of the direction that it's gone now uh, where there's it feels like the the sounds a little bit more diverse than on that first album yeah i mean a lot of that stuff was things that i was you know, I had the idea of like doing a side project, but at the same time, I was also writing songs that could have been used for Optimistium songs and they just weren't. I mean, uh, technically, uh, every last drop on the Addicts or whatever was supposed to be a Chrome Wave song, but we needed a closer. And it turned out way better using it for that band, but it was technically a Chrome Wave song. But I mean, you know, it's just, uh, that was just the style that I was writing back then. And then, you know, like we had so much time off. I think Bob did the drums for grief and let's see, so I think the EP came out 10 years ago in like July, I think. And then we didn't even do drums on the next one until I think it was like October of like 2016, I think. 
So, I mean, there's quite a bit of span there, like where I just couldn't get everyone together to do it. And then like, I waited another two years to even just, I just said, fuck it. I'm like, I'm just gonna do this. Cause you know, I quit Wolfhammer and then Abigail was not a thing for me anymore either. And I just didn't have anything except the side projects. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do this. It's like, I can't get anyone else to do anything. So it's like, and I was writing all of it anyway, for the most part. So, uh, you know, I just kind of said, fucking did it. But I mean, you know, it was always like the progression was always something that I wanted to do. But I like taking the progression like moderately slow. I don't want to go from step one to step nine in a year. Would much rather be like go to step one and then step three and then step five and then step seven. You know what I mean? So like the new album is like, I think Rain was, you know, a pretty big leap from 2012. But then we... The new one, we kind of took it back a little bit where it's a little bit more metal, like there's harsh vocals on it, but I just used, like I'm playing lap steel on it. There's saxophone on it. There's going to be trumpet on it. Uh, there's a lot of acoustic on it. So it's a little heavier than the last one, but I mean, it's just, we're just experimenting more with different things instead of just guitar. Yeah. So. I mean, like that, uh, the progression thing that you mentioned too, it's kind of like, um, uh if noctmistium had gone from like demise straight to addicts yeah where the addicts is just like so sonically different than you know the earlier stuff yeah and i mean even from instinct to assassins was quite a big leap i mean to be honest but i mean then you know addicts was kind of a step before assassins i think at least personally i mean, it was just but there's more instruments you know what i mean it's yeah. not claustrophobic. It's cleaner and more clear, but there's just different things, not just guitar and screaming all the time, you know? Which is, you know, I, to be honest, uh, this new record is kind of like, um, not necessarily intentional, but Zion is back in the band who was on Assassins. And then, you know, with the lineup change that we didn't necessarily expect my, you know, my first three people to go to were typically the same. And so I asked Tony to play drums and he's like, okay. So it's pretty much the assassins lineup minus Blake. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I don't want to say with a better vocalist, but <laughs> for the style that we're doing now, I mean, it's much more in tune, you know, with how the band is now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, next year, if I'm not mistaken, is like the 15th anniversary of Assassins. Um, what do you kind of uh, remember most about that like time period around the time that that album was made? Um, I mean, it was, I mean, just mostly that, I mean, you know, a lot of things have been said about him and I've said a lot of things about him as well, but like Blake and I did, you know, as much as most, you know, he would like to say that he did it all himself. Between the the trio of him and Chris and I, like, it was kind of like magic in a bottle, I think. Like, one of those things that could have gone probably further than it did. But circumstances and egos and fighting and this, that, and the other just didn't allow it to. I mean, that's really the biggest thing that I think about these days. You know, I don't really think about it much otherwise. 
I haven't listened on record in years, really. I mean, since probably the 10th anniversary, because he and I reconnected at one point uh, when he kind of showed up again and we were talking about like doing another album, which was technically was going to be the first Chrome Waves album was going to be the Knock Mistium album, but it just kind of fell apart super quickly. But yeah, we definitely had something that like, you know, like that the, the, the stories that people tell, but on a very much smaller scale, you know what I mean? But like, I mean, we can knock out, we can knock out songs like that, you know what I mean? And it, you know, I haven't really connected too much with many people like that since then, you know, it's just personal things just get in the way and it uh, it's not worth the stress and the drama, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the the first time that I uh, heard that album, I was still uh, in college in Louisville. And I think it was one of those things where I had read a review in like Revolver and then I thought that the album cover looked cool. So I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. Yeah. And it was one of those things where um, it just kind of like stuck with me instantly and I had to hear as much of the band as I could. Yeah. Um, and like I there's the best way that I've ever heard anyone describe what happened with that band was that um, uh, it was every time that it was on the cusp of like any sort of uh, breakthrough kind of, you know, success, whatever that, you know, looks like. We fuck it up. Yeah. yeah, it's like constantly grabbing, uh, grabbing defeat from the jaws of success was I think the way that I've heard it described. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, we were on a lot of drugs. <laughs> I mean, a lot of drinking and a lot of cocaine for most of the time that I was in the band. Regardless of what anyone says, the heroin never came into the picture until Addicts wasn't even out. Like it was like right before. Like we literally did. Like the heroin came into the picture. Like as a main, like as something that was being troubling, like literally like we did a creator tour, I think March, and then we went to Europe directly after in like 2010 and Addicts wasn't even out yet. And I quit in the middle of the European tour. Like this, despite what everyone says, it was never around until then. It was fucking whiskey and cocaine the entire time. And that was it, you know, yeah. so. Uh, you know put those two together and you're just gonna have fights and bullshit all the fuck time <laughs> yeah as i know like you know 10 years later or 15 years later or whatever you know what i mean like yeah you know, i remember around that time uh there was the thing that went around where um blake or what looked a whole lot like blake was like animated into family guy doing a line of coke with lois <laughs> yeah yeah i don't remember if i was still in the band when that was happening or not but yeah i do remember seeing that around a little bit yeah yeah which was pretty amusing yeah i mean there was uh i think that that for all of the reputation that the band had at least you all like kind of uh made the most out of it for whatever that was worth i mean i the the one t-shirt that always sticks out in my mind too is the uh white powder not white power one where it's got the yeah. uh, grim reaper doing the the line off of the coffin <laughs> yeah that came that came about i'm pretty sure uh when we got we got kicked off like the first cyan fest or whatever because someone said we were nazis or something like that <laughs> and we're just like 
So we basically made a t-shirt specifically to just poke fun at it. Yeah. It's really unfortunate of what happened afterwards. Cause I mean, I, I do looking back on it, you know, like I think if I recall, obviously the songs were good. And I mean, there was quite a bit of hype around the band and it's just too bad how things ended up. But at yeah. the same time, you know, it's just like, we would have killed one another at some point. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there was always, always so many lineup changes, but I mean, for the five or so years that I was in the band, like, I mean, the, you know, we did have some really solid lineups that I think, you know, like if we could have stuck around together, then we could have made some more great stuff. Yeah. Have you uh, worked with Chris Black anymore since then? Uh, no, I haven't, but I actually did see him. Um, let's see, not this past weekend, but the weekend before last because uh, High Spirits played here and uh, my friend John, who played in Knock Misty for a while and it was in Doomsday and played on a contrition album. Uh, he's in High Spirits playing guitar now. So I went out to hang out with them. Uh, yeah, about a week ago. So I have, I mean, I've talked to him off and on, but I mean, nothing really last week was like the most that we've talked in probably 10 years. I mean, he's busy. He's a dad. I mean, he's always got a hundred projects too. So, but it was definitely good to see him just because, you know, it had been a long time since we've been able to like sit down somewhere quiet instead of like a packed like venue or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's another person who uh, I'm just always impressed with how consistent all of the projects that he puts out are. Well, I mean, he was always the secret weapon with Knock Mistium. I mean, with the vocal lines and the lyrics and all of that, at least when I was in the band. And I know he was a big part of like Eulogy 4 and Instinct Decay and Demise and all of that as well. And I think maybe even uh, Silencing Machine. So, uh, yeah, he was always the secret weapon that was always under the radar. Yeah. And he's always been a great arranger and like just the things that he does like with the vocals and just like that's what made the band to be honest yeah and so along with the current chrome waves lineup uh both contrition and uh doomsday have had basically uh lineups that were all former knock Mistium members is there like some with all of those uh musicians is there something that just like constantly draws you all back together as far as the creative process um as far as Doomsday, it was more of an inside joke, to be honest. Uh, like I said, not that I don't want to talk shit, but yeah, I mean, it started out as more of an inside joke as like, because this was back when everything was, you know, kind of starting to happen on the negative drama, dramatic metal sucks kind of side or whatever. Um, as far as Contrition album, um, uh, I just, at, at a certain point, like I had just been trying to get Doomsday to do something again for so long. And having Zion in Chrome Waves now, I just thought that, you know, I still want to do something with John for sure. And then that I wasn't in, uh, you know, I wasn't playing with Wolfhammer anymore. And I always thought Gary was still, you know, a great drummer that I would always like to play with again. You know, it just seemed to make sense to just have Gary play in the band. And then I never actually asked Jerome or never really thought about Jerome about being the vocalist at all. Uh, and then he was like, well, I'll do it one day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Like, cause I, I don't know why it had never crossed my mind, but it was just like, yeah, let's do it. And then I think a month later, like those two guys came down here and we just kind of finished the tracking and then I just mixed it in a couple of weeks or whatever. And then it just came out like it, I had the songs, I think 
since probably like July or so of 2020. And I think we finished it, the vocals and the drums in like May of 2021 and put the vinyl order in. And I somehow got someone to do it in 90 days and it came out, I think October. So it all came together pretty quickly. But yeah. it was all like leftover, like it was all leftover, like riffs for the most part. That was either going to be a new Wolfhammer album or a new Doomsday album. So, yeah. And, um, tell me about uh, Deeper Graves, too, because I think out of all your projects, that's probably the one that I'm the least familiar with. Um, it's just, it's pretty much the stuff that's like, I mean, I think that. It was, the songs were on the first album that came out in the summer of 2020. It's songs that have been around since I think probably 2015 or so, and just kind of things that didn't really fit anywhere. And then I'd always, I never wanted to be like a solo thing at all, uh, but I could never find anyone to like commit to putting vocals on anything. Like I would, like I literally said, a uh, guy at one point, I he didn't have an interface at the time. His band is pretty popular now. I won't mention his name, but I literally sent him an interface if he wanted to do vocals on it. He's like, yeah, this is great. Never did it. I asked probably 10 other people to do vocals on it. No one ever said anything that was at least worth a fuck. Um, and finally, I just like I had enough of those songs to where I did the first album. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to get it done. And I've worked with the same PR guy for since 2005, Dave Ayers split. And he was like, yeah, this stuff's good. Let's just put it out. Uh, so I put out that album and then I immediately went and started working on the second album. And uh, I had a vocalist for that and, you know, kind of just blew it off. And then I finally got stuff and I was just like, yeah, I'm like, I can't put this out. This isn't. I tried to work around it uh, to make it work for like both of us and she just didn't like it. So I just kind of, you know, I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just redo all the fucking lyrics and take all your stuff off. And it was supposed to come out last year, but it ended up coming out in January of this year, which is fine. But I mean, it's just stuff that just never fit anywhere else. Didn't work. Cause usually when I start writing things, I kind of have an idea about where everything is going to go. And it usually never backfires whatsoever, but uh, on this particular, these songs, it just never really worked. So it's kind of more gothy, more post-rock, more ambient, more synth-based than I'm used to doing, which is nice. But um, just, I don't know when I'm going to do another full length. I'm, this year, I think I'm just going to do like singles and covers and whatnot. So we have... Uh, me and Heath from Lotus Thrones have a Portishead split coming out this month. And then we're doing another um, Cure split in May because pornography is 40 years old. Uh, and then we have some other ideas too. So, Yeah, yeah. I had uh, talked to Heath a few episodes ago and uh, he had mentioned that you were um, uh, doing some stuff on some of the Lotus Thrones uh, music that he's putting out. Um, yeah, I guess that's being released through Disorder. Uh, so how did uh, how did your involvement in all that come about? Because I know you, you and Heath go back for, uh, for a while, too. Yeah, I mean, we've known each other for probably 15 years at this point, too. And he was just, um, 
he just started making music again after a long hiatus and he just decided that he would rather have it under a label name as opposed to self-releasing it and i was the first person he asked and i'm like yeah sure let's do it um and it's you know i wasn't sure what to expect from it just because you know i had never really heard much of um haven't heard any of his writing other than just you know him playing drums and his lyrics and whatnot and occasional vocal um but i mean he's only getting better i've already heard the new album and all the other stuff that he's been doing that's not released yet it just keeps getting better so i mean i'm happy to work with him and happy that you know through all of these you know different bands and lineups and all of that that we're still able to get along and work together you know and I've only worked on the new EP that uh, musically the new EP that's coming out and I think June I think it's when we're playing I just I played bass on it and I did some lap steel and some Evo or whatever that just sounds more like a synth or whatever but I mean pretty much everything else is just him and a couple guests here and there so I'm just happy that he's doing something again because he stopped for years yeah yeah i mean i um before he sent me the um the demos for hibernal to check out uh i had never known that he did more than just playing drums uh yeah he wrote um quite a few of the lyrics from what i recall on the first few uh wolfhammer releases um up until adam joined the band so yeah and then i think him and micah had another band at one point called Vernal Pool, I think. And I think he wrote a lot of the lyrics for that as well, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, the um, I still think a lot of that Wolfhammer stuff was super underrated. Like I've listened to Clawing, Black, uh, Clawing Into Black Sun to this day. Um, yeah, that was a cool thing to do for, I mean, I, we kind of changed um, styles. I mean, I guess it was always a bit cohesive, but at the same time from record to record it was quite a bit different. Um, uh, it just, it's kind of, you know, as much as I was super, uh, proud to, uh, for the band to kind of help Adam get into Skeleton Witch, um, I think it all kind of fell apart after that because all of our scheduling had to kind of go around that. And that's definitely not his fault by any means. And I wouldn't, you know, he should be touring with them instead of Wolfhammer, but at the same time, like I still like had the perspective of just go 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 you know what i mean yeah so we butted head butted heads quite a bit on that and then at one point you know i just like i just gotten to the point where i'm like i'm like i can't work around these people anymore i'm like they i'm just gonna do my thing i just i got tired of it you know and it, it's not his fault by any it's not his fault at all it's just you know he he had to go where the money was and where the crowds were you know what i mean yeah i don't blame him whatsoever but i mean i do think there were quite a few good songs and i mean we were also branching out a little bit with that band too on the last couple records um yeah i mean it is what it is i don't i don't ever really see that ever being a thing again but you know it's just kind of moved on to some we've all kind of moved on to other things and everyone's always doing great bands everyone in the band so i think everyone's probably just happier the last label deal that we signed was fucking dog shit. So, you know, that didn't help either. Yeah. And our last booking agent was fucking horse shit too. Fuck that guy. He knows who he is. <laughs>
You know, and, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the sound progressing a little bit on each album being a little bit different. Um, how much at the like front of your writing process is uh, that sort of mindset? Because it seems like there's usually the uh, there's the bands that kind of sound the same from album to album and like never yeah. really try anything new. And then there's the ones that kind of reinvent themselves a little bit each time and keep things interesting. Um, I mean, if people were to pay attention closely enough, I mean, <laughs> all the guitar parts are always the same, but <laughs> what's put on top of those bed parts are all, it always try to be a little bit different from album to album. I mean, you can take the guitar and you can play, you know, listen to any song that I've written for most bands, what's any of them. You know, it always goes from seventh fret to third fret because that's just the progression that always hits me in the head that sounds like, I don't know, but anything on top of that is always something different. And like, I think more of a drum thing than I do guitar. I think drums are more important than guitar. So, uh, you know, I can, I can write the same riff all day long, but I can change the drum beat over the top of it. And that's what makes the song different. And you know, other than me saying that I haven't really heard anyone complain other than saying that something sounds like catatonia or something like that, really, which is a compliment enough for me. So, <laughs> but I mean, trying to be different, uh, I mean, everything always starts out on music. So, I mean, it's really, it's just getting the bass parts down and then you know, we'll either make the guitar tone not as heavy or just like the last Chrome Waves album, we didn't want to put clean vocals on anything, even though they ended up on one song. Um, but it just kind of works like that. Or like this one doesn't have cello or, you know, we're going to make rock songs instead of metal songs or it's going to be post-punk instead of this. I mean, otherwise, I mean, I don't, I just write songs. I mean, sometimes I'll only write one song a month. Sometimes I'll sit down and write four at night. It just kind of depends. You know, it doesn't, never really a plan. They just kind of go where they go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you said about uh, the drum parts mattering more too makes a lot of sense too. Is, uh, and it's probably why it's so hard to find a good rhythm section for a band. Yeah. I mean, Zion being in this band has completely made so much difference. I mean, I've always thought Zion's a great bass player, but like since having him on the last record and the new record, and now like he's sending me bass lines, he's just sending me bass lines by themselves. And I'm just, I'm like, he was like, oh, we should use this as like as an ambient part or something like that. I'm like, no, we should just write a song around this because I can already hear the drum beats in my head. It's so much better to have a bass player that's competent and writes great shit instead of just being like me who plays like, oh, cool, I did an octave up instead of an octave down, which <laughs> was like the first two albums, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, I mean, Dustin was always a great drummer uh, and he, he had ideas on the albums too, but I mean, he just, he does so many other things as well and Demiricus is back together and he's booking you know, he's promoting at this venue and he's doing like his DJ shit and like electronic shit. I mean, he was, you know, he thought his time was better spent elsewhere and that's totally fine too. Uh, 
you know, nothing bad to say about him. But yeah, it's definitely, I mean, a drummer is the most important person in your band. If you don't have a good drummer, you don't have a good band. And fortunately, I've worked with a lot of great drummers. Yeah. And it's uh, really kind of like if you think about every huge band over the last, like, at least the last 40 years, they all had a really good, like, show drummer. Yeah. I mean, I played with the best ones and I played with some bad ones, too. And the bands that always had the better drummer was always the better band. You can fuck up on guitar all day long, but if you fuck up on drums, everyone's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that was, like, you know, like, we were talking about Knock This Team earlier, like, is what I remember about another thing I remember about Assassins is Tony was always a great arranger. And now that, that's why he's always been on top three for me to ask, you know, to like, if you ever have time to do an album again, let's do it. And I texted him and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And never looked back really, even though my mind is always time sensitive and like, we got to get stunned now. Like, I'm like, yeah, I can wait on you because he's that good. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's kind of like uh, ties to something that I talked to Heath about where uh, we went off on like a Metallica tangent because for yeah. as much shit as people give Lars Ulrich, he's really good at arranging all those songs that everyone loves. Well, I mean, that's the thing that most people, you know, they don't really consider. Uh, it's always the person that's writing shit. But I mean, like, look at Ingve. Look how, how, how much he shreds. But listen to one of his songs. It's fucking garbage. Let's <laughs> be honest. Most of it's garbage. But I mean, and you know, like, you can, you can always write 15 riffs for a song, but do they really all need to be there? I mean, you know, we, like... You know, I've, I've, as I've gotten older, like I remember when I was like in my 20s or whatever, I was always trying to put like, you know, like seven or eight different parts in a song because I thought that made you like a better guitar player. And now I've just realized that I'm not a guitar player. I just rather write songs. So it's like if I got like four parts in a song, that's enough because that's what to me. I mean, I remember the hook. I don't remember, oh, that great solo or like how many notes he played. Like, give me a hook and that's it you know, and make the parts around the hook good too. Don't just put a bunch of parts in a song. And it's, you know, how techy everything is these days. It's just like, it's fucking boring to me. It's like, I don't write me a good part yeah. and surrounded by other good parts, you know? And I think that's, the, you know, that's the thing that kind of makes Strong Wave stand out from a lot of bands is like, we're trying to write, make every part good and nothing filler even if songs are eight minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, recently you launched uh, Black Cat's Curations uh, to offload some of your taxidermy. Uh, what all uh, are you uh, putting out there through that? Uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily to offload a bunch of our stuff. It was just like uh, my partner and I are constantly going to like antique malls and whatnot. And it's like I've spent the last 20 years of my life screen printing and doing music that I feel like I need a hobby. Um, and we're just constantly buying stuff. And it's like either running out of room or just trying to look for like a side hustle or whatever. Like 
I went to an auction or did an auction like about two months ago and picked up, you know, like six feet kind of things, like four of them for like seven hundred dollars. And I'm just like, we can't have these. We need to get rid of these. But it's like we're always just buying stuff all the time, just kind of like looking for like a side business or whatever that we're both interested in, like you know, just something that we can do together because I'm constantly just working on shirts or music all the time. So, so yeah, it's just more of like a, just a business, not just like unloading our own stuff really. Oh, okay. Uh, so what are, you know, the kinds of things that you look for the most when you're, you know, out, uh, kind of curating that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, obviously taxidermy is good. Um, old books, um sort of uh any just sort of general like medical or mortuary items uh we have we have a lot of like you know old like photos and frames or paintings and frames as well so you know anything kind of like 40s or before mostly it's kind of uh where everything is kind of focused um not really any sort of like mid-century or you know 60s or 70s it's just pretty much like 40s in the court you know anything old that just kind of catches your eye i guess yeah she's more she's more of the boss on that than me i'm just kind of you know helping out on the tech side of things and like if she doesn't want to buy it i'll buy it and then <laughs> yeah it's more of her thing than mine so but she knows that I'm good at like, or I'm not good at, but you know, more of like the, the website building and posting and stuff like that, because I have to do with all the bands. So. Yeah. What's the, uh, the key to finding a good taxidermy? Um, well, I mean, I'm kind of an amateur. I just, and most of, a lot of the stuff that we have has actually been pretty cheap, like around a hundred bucks, like, but the last few things that like now I'm starting to see a lot of auctions online. So it's like, and I'm starting to pay more attention to that. Like we have like right now we have a couple like probably I've been pricing them around like twenty-five to three thousand dollars a piece. Um stuff like at auctions where I've got them for a fraction of the price, you know. But I know that a lot of well, not those are gonna have to sit for a long time. So most of the stuff that we have are just, you know, like things under a hundred dollars. So, you know, like 10 type photos or stuff in a frame, uh, you know, but those bigger type pieces are definitely an auction thing is where it goes. Cause you can get, you know, something for $200 that'll sell for $2,000. You just have to go drive to get it or pay for the shipping. And most people won't do that. Yeah. And I, uh, a few years ago, like maybe a couple months before the pandemic hit, uh, I made the mistake of getting a uh, ram skull off of eBay. Yeah. And it was uh, it was supposed to have been taxidermied, but it was like poorly taxidermied. So it okay. still, like it smelled like it was a dead animal skull. <laughs> I was just like, I can't oh. keep this around. <laughs> Coincidentally, when we planned for this, like I had this monster of a piece laying in here. And I was just like, I have to track drums in a couple weeks for someone. So I'm going to have to use the control room. So I had like a six foot piece on the wall back here that I had, to, I had to move like four things around, like in the house, just to like make room to have an office again, because it was just like full of shit that I got from this auction. So 
But yeah, I mean, it, it, they're cool things to have, especially if you can get the right price, but some of them are overpriced and, you know, I like having, like, it's one of those things where I have it, like, hanging up for, like, a month. I don't want to get rid of it, but it's, like, sometimes just too big, especially now that we're moving. It's, like, I have, like, two, like, five or six foot pieces, like, in the living room, and I'm just, like, I can't, I have to walk around these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's always kind of a, a risk, like, um, getting that kind of stuff off of, like, eBay, too. Yeah. Where, uh, sometimes, you know, the people that are putting it up might just be like trying to teach themselves taxidermy and yeah. well, uh, they the might one, not have fully properly done it. The ones that we got recently were uh, from what I can't imagine would have been like a multi-million dollar collection. So like the work is like 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like they had like full like lions and zebras and all of this shit. And it was like an in-state kind of uh, estate auction, obviously. So like we really scored on those. So but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a side business. Like, you know, she's trying to go back to school. So like, you know, I'm just trying to like work this as something that we can kind of work and like kind of turn over like a profit to pay for or go back to school and just something that we can entertain ourselves with like as a side hobby or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've always uh, kind of entertained the idea of having like a full like bear at some yeah. point, but it's mainly all because of uh, fucking Roadhouse when the bear falls over <laughs> yeah, on that dude. Yeah, I mean, I would like to, I would like to do that too, but I'm just not sure that I have the space for it. I don't have the space yeah. for all the stuff that I have now. I'd like to have a piano too. Hopefully, after we move, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I've had you for about an hour now, so uh, uh, right. I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, is oh, there anything else that you want to put out there? Uh, no, uh, I mean, other, uh, Chrome Waves has a remix album coming out on, uh, April 1st, uh, Deeper Graves has a Portishead split coming out on the 25th, uh, Deeper Graves will have a Cure split coming out on May 4th, um, let's see, there's a couple new bands on the label, Above and Below, which is like, uh, Killing Joke, Nine Inch Nails, kind of, uh, Frontline Assembly, kind of industrial project. Uh, new Chrome Waves album this year, probably new Contrition album this year, maybe some new things. Just trying to stay busy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, good talking to you. I work too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, thanks again for taking the time to do this. Man, it was great talking to you again. Thanks for yeah. having me. My run, you mama, run, you mama.